Welcome to the Influence Podcast. My name is Tom Yanni. Since March of 2020, the economic impact on the events industry has been severe, which, yes, is probably the understatement of the year. Definitive numbers are unknown, but according to the Center for Exhibition Industry Research, events were expected to generate approximately $105 billion in direct and indirect spending in the year 2020. But due to in-person events coming to a screeching halt, that number dipped below $24 billion. As travel and in-person meetings slowly returns back to a place of normalcy, the biggest technology conference in the world, which is called Web Summit, is rolling the dice by returning to Lisbon in November 2021 and inviting attendees to join in on the action. And joining us today to talk about the road to events recovery is Keith Wallace, the general manager of Collision, one of Web Summit's most successful properties, which is also known as North America's fastest growing tech conference. Enjoy our conversation. Really pleased to be joined by Keith Wallace, the GM of Collision. And Keith, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. Now, just as a starting place, it would be great. You know, Collision is huge and uh, Web Summit is big too, but not all the listeners may be familiar with it. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about these events? Web Summit is an Irish company. It's been around for about 12 years now. We started a small 400-person conference 12 years ago. Um, in Dublin for about five years and then moved to Lisbon. And really, when we moved to Lisbon, we really started to see it explode. So last year, well, pre-pandemic 2019, we had 70,000 people in Lisbon. 70, 70,000. Yeah, 70,000 people over the course of three days and a couple of smaller events off the side of it. Um, and you kind of have the biggest names in tech speaking of that. So we had Stephen Hawking give his last ever talk. We had Al Gore uh, launches his latest documentary. We've had Sheryl Sandberg. We've had Werner uh, Vogels, the CTO of Amazon. We've had the president of Microsoft, Brad Smith. So it's really a, a kind of who's who of tech celebrity and a lot of current and former prime ministers as well. Wow. So we're meeting today to talk a little bit more about sort of events amidst a pandemic or perhaps coming out of a pandemic, what the future of events looks like, but you just totally piqued my interest with those name drops. Is there anybody from uh, who you just mentioned that really stood out as like, wow, that was like a pretty epic speech? Yeah, for, for me anyway, it was uh, Al Gore. When I saw his, he closed out the ceremony or Web Summit in 2018. And if you come to Web Summit, the, the main center stage, we kind of have, we have seven stages dotted around the conference floor. And across those seven stages, there's like 22 individual tracks or kind of where we might talk about autonomous vehicles on our auto tech stage, or we might talk about the future of marketing on our Panda Comp stage. But center stage is just industry agnostic. And then Al Gore was closing out the 2018 event, talking about climate change and why we have to act now and how important that is. And center stage is like a 17,000-seater stadium. So when you have him telling you how important it is that we start to act now, he's quite an impactful person. You really start to... I remember getting goosebumps listening to him speak. It was pretty, pretty powerful. Wow, I can imagine. So I remember watching An Inconvenient Truth it, well, I mean, that probably came out like 20 years ago or something like that. So I can only imagine by 2018, it, it's like same story, but that much more, a little bit alarming, I suppose. Awesome. So, I mean, 70,000 people come into an event. That's a lot of traffic. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of logistics. That is a lot of planning. We're filming this sort of towards entering fall 2021. So there is a brighter outlook for the world around us, certainly than there was this time last year, for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's still quite uncertain. And so I'd, I'd just be initially curious 
for an event of that magnitude or for events of that magnitude last year, 2020, how did you guys sort of manage? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting year, I think, for anyone that worked in kind of a, for anyone and everyone across the world. But I think the event industry, be it music, conferences, sports, were really hugely impacted. Obviously, most had to move to some kind of virtual element. We did that as well. We moved our, our conferences online where we did, I think we did three main conferences. So we did two years of collision and one year of web summit. Um, we were quite fortunate, I think, to be honest, going into this. If we go back to kind of March, where when the kind of pandemic had started, our, our founder and CEO, Paddy Cosgrave, made a very early call on collision and decided to move it online. Kind of before everything that's really started to shut down, he kind of had been reading up and listening to a lot of people, over, especially over in Asia, where it started, and just kind of was understanding how, how bad and big this was going to be. So we moved it online. It, it was quite strange at the time. Uh, from my own personal opinion, I thought he had made the, the call a bit too early. I was like quite bullish that we'd be able to do a live event. We had, we had over 150 partners signed. We had tens of thousands of tickets sold. So when we moved online, I was a bit hesitant, but ultimately he, he was definitely right with the move online. Uh, we did come out straight off the bat and just offer all of our partners, all of our attendees, no questions asked, a free refund if they wanted it. We also then said, if you want to stay with us, we'll give you a complimentary pass for this online event, and then you can use your ticket for the next in-person event. When I said we were a little bit lucky, we have a huge team of engineers in-house. So we have over 50 engineers. So we've always built kind of tech conferences powered by your own technology. At our conferences, we always think that networking and meaningful connections is the North Star and everything we try to achieve to do. Like the speakers are great to get people there, but we want to match make people when they're there. So we built all these tools for a physical event. So when we moved online, we had a lot of the backbone already built. And then we went around, started to create the front-facing kind of how the look and feel of the online conference would work. And that's kind of really where most of the work went into. So I think everybody has become accustomed to these types of online events. And that's just sort of been the world now for obviously well over a year. I'm curious, as somebody that, you know, obviously is very, very closely connected to events at, at a grand scale, what was the response like from people amidst the pandemic in a virtual setting versus how they would have previously operated being physically close to one another? Did you get any feedback about, I like this more, I like it less? What was the feedback? There's been a mixture of feedback through the year, the last 18 months, I think. Um, when we first did Collision, and we, we rebounded a Collision from home, and it was our first event. There was a huge interest at that point because we were one of the first events to actually go virtual. So we, we saw a huge number of people sign up because they were very curious. We were a bit unsure how it would go as well. It's, it's harder to keep people's attention when they're at home and you have YouTube, you have screaming babies, you have meetings. So it's harder to get people to stay for three days. So we definitely saw kind of dips and troughs throughout the conference, so throughout the three days. But we always built our conferences around kind of having the biggest names in different times. So you're kind of drawing people in. Once people sign up, and once they get into the conference quite early, they tended to stay for a lot longer. So it was really about pushing people to try to log in on day one. Then they would see the most value from it. As we went through WebSummit, we were able to take what we learned from Collision and improve WebSummit. And I think WebSummit was an even better event then. We had over 100,000 people log in for the three days. And then we had Collision just gone. So we, we had Collision again online in 
And that was, we had over 35,000 people. So that was our biggest collision to date. And so there was a lot of learnings. One of the big things we found is that the reach for collision was a lot bigger this year. We were able to hit more countries, more startups coming from all around the world. So the barrier to entry was a lot lower, which is great. Interesting. You know, it's funny, you kind of a uh, nice little segue. I was going to ask about challenges of transitioning from physical events to virtual events, but it sounds like due to the nature of your business, having engineers in-house, having that tech stack, that you're kind of in a fortuitous position that way. But in terms of scaling then, I think one thing that I've heard from a lot of people that were running events is, you know, even if they had an event that had 10,000 people physically present, and then now, you know what, we're going to try going virtually. How do they attract people? How do they get people in? And it sounds like you guys effectively were able to bring people to your events virtually. How did you do that? I think, I think there's a couple of pieces with it. I think one, I'm not a fan of events that were being done for free. I think there, there has to be a cost of entry into an event. We did lower our ticket massively, but we, I still think it's important for people to put a price aside event. So they're actually bought into it and they're, they're a little bit invested in it. I think the second piece then was getting people in there and not just having a conference where it's just content being streamed. That's the easiest thing to do for an event. I think there's, we're using Zoom. You could do it through Zoom. There's, there's multiple different types of technology that you use just to stream or broadcast content. I think the most important thing to do if people are coming for a business conference online, you have to still create those meaningful connections. So how you do that has definitely changed in an online setting. But we had a couple of different ways. So one thing we did was we created this mingle tool and it was like a chat roulette style, three minute speed networking. You, if, if me and you were going on, I would have all my details entered. I would connect to mingle and then it would read my profile. It would have a look at what I was doing on the conference, what talks I went to, what my location was, what I was interested in. And then it would match make me with someone that they thought that the algorithm thought would be suitable for me. And then based after that three minute, you could then share your contact details or you can say it wasn't a great conversation. And then the algorithm will spit you out someone else to meet over the next kind of, it gives you a 20 second gap to say if you want to continue mingling or then stop. So that's just one example of how you can create those kind of synergies or ways to connect people online. That's really fascinating because I've been at lots of events where they do sort of like the speed meetings and you kind of stand at a tabletop say hi to one another and what are you doing here? What are you interested in? That sort of thing. But to actually have it sort of powered by technology in a fashion where it sets up meetings for you based on what it deems would be your most appropriate counterpart, that is fascinating. I actually haven't experienced that in a virtual setting yet. So I guess I have to go to Collision. On that note then, going to Collision or going to Web Summit, going to different events that you're involved in, how are you now planning around some people want to be virtual. Some people are dying to get back out there. They want to see people. And the world around us, obviously, just this past summer in 2021, you had Euro Cup, you had the Olympics. Sports leagues are opening back up. Things are opening back up for physical events. And yet there's still, you know, the pandemic still lingers. And there's this balance that's taking place. How are you, how are you planning and your team planning to manage that? Yeah, it's, it's such an interesting time because we're, we're kind of there now. We have the vaccine. It's, it's now just about getting the vaccine out to as many people as possible. So in that sense, there's, there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. It's great to see events coming back from, from sports events in, in the UK. The, the Premier League has uh, full stadiums to, to different music events and festivals around the US. So we're, we're very bullish on back, being back to physical events. So we're, we're doing Web Summit this November, the November 1st to 4th. 
we usually have 70,000 people or we're looking at about 40,000 people. So we're looking to go back to in-person events, but with a slightly lower number, just so we can manage it safely and securely. We're due to roll out kind of our safety protocol over the next week or so, but we're working very closely with the Portuguese government to ensure everything is just, it's just really about safety now, making sure that you can open everything up, but just doing it as safe as possible. We do have the software to, to kind of make it a hybrid event, but I think we're more bullish about getting back to in-person events. Really, I don't think you can ever replace that face-to-face interactions that you have at a conference. Maybe as we get closer to the conference, we might put some of this stuff online and encourage people to watch or engage with some of the content. But for the best part of it, we will be doing everything in person. And that must have been a tough decision because you just you know spend an entire year, year and a half planning specifically for virtual. Mm-hmm. And while I could completely, you know, I agree, I would rather attend an event, all things being equal, for sure. It's a different experience. Like you said, there's an energy, there's sort of an electricity in the air. You know, you can't replicate that sitting in your home or even in your office, whatever the case would be. But that must have been a big decision too. To yeah. actually say like, we're going to try to commit to this. So how did that play out? Yeah, I think there was a couple of conversations internally around it. And there's a, there's a lot of pros and cons for both. But our feeling was if you give people a way to attend the conference virtually, you're probably limiting them into people that will actually be wanting to attend or, or speakers might not want to travel. They prefer to, to Zoom in or, or different areas. So we were just very bullish on, okay, let's, let's focus on getting back to in-person events. That's, that's kind of what Web Summit is known for, what we can do perfectly we can still use the technology we've built to power those in-person events and make learnings and kind of learn from that and implement some of those learnings to the physical event. It's not to say we've shelved our technology either. I think we will still run some virtual events at different stages throughout the year, which allows us to kind of have some events in the lead up or just after Web Summit as well. We've also created another leg to our business now where we can actually sell and white label that software to other events companies or to other corporate companies who are looking to host some virtual events. So it's really set us up coming out of the pandemic in a really uh, strong position. Just created a new stream of revenue. Yeah, right. But to be honest, to our founder, he's always wanted to build the technology to power the events industry, not just tech conferences, but all events worldwide. So this was his vision from a very early day. It was probably sped up. I think the pandemic sped that up and kind of just forced us into doing more and more of it and really pushing it forward. So I think just coming to fruition what he had already envisioned. envisioned. No doubt. And manufactured huge demand as well. Obviously, there's a demand for these things too. So just having that ability is huge. I'm curious on the brand side. We've been talking about from an administrative and planning and logistical perspective, excuse me, and then also for people that are coming to attend the event. But what about... I think you mentioned off the top, like 150 brand sponsors were locked up prior to things going a little bit crazy with the pandemic. What was that like in terms of navigating? How are we going to facilitate sponsorships or can we? What do they look like? How do we associate a dollar value with that? Like, How did you guys adjust with all of your sponsorships and brand work? I think one thing that we've always been pretty good at for our events is working with the same clients year after year. Uh, and kind of the retention of our partners is in the high, high 70s, early 80%, which is pretty phenomenal for a, an event of a size. I think with us going out directly once this happened and said, look, we're not going to be doing an in-person event. You can have your money back and cancel the contract, no questions asked. I think that was a really noble thing to do. And a lot of sponsors and brands were, were very happy with it. 
I would say probably about half took that up and half said they, they would stay with us. Now, from that half that did take the cancel their contract and, and just not avoid it, a lot of those have since come back and signed back up again. They just didn't want, they just wanted to park that and really look at everything. So I think that was a huge advantage. We then went out and kind of re-looked at what our main partner's objectives are. So we tend to find that they're, they're bunched into four objectives. You kind of have thought leadership, be it, be it on stage or be it with small kind of C-suite roundtables. You have lead generation that could be kind of just driving new business leads. That could be for recruitment purposes. You have naturally brand awareness. And then you have networking, be it kind of more junior or high-level networking. So we looked at the objectives and then figured out how we could rebuild products to still maintain those objectives. So naturally, you had a lot of, kind of webinar-style masterclasses. We had uh, smaller roundtables that we were able to do. I'll give you one example. Siemens would be one of the, the largest sponsors we had. They sponsored our City Summit event. So then what they did is they brought a lot of their executives to lead roundtable discussions with kind of mayors or city planners around smart cities. So we were still creating those conversations and connecting the right people together. One other one which I really enjoyed was Collision uh, the first year. Obviously, the pandemic had just hit. A lot of people had lost their job, including a lot of people in the tech industry. We worked very closely with the City of Toronto to offer out 1,200 complimentary tickets to people who had lost their jobs. And then on the flip side, we had a lot of companies and partners that were looking to hire. So we were able to match make then people who had lost their job in the tech sector with those who were looking to recruit. We were able to facilitate a lot of job connections. That's pretty amazing. Did you hear of any sort of like Disney stories that came from that of people that ended up finding something that worked really well for them? It's usually harder to hear the kind of the long tail of it because, you know, yourself in recruitment, it might take three months. Right. Similar to driving leads, it can, take, uh, it can take a couple of months to see it. I did hear from the partners that they had got lots of good applications, but I didn't hear the final fruition. Well, that's pretty awesome, though. That's such a, a great thing to have done. I'm curious, too, like last year, there were a lot of brand managers or people at various executive levels I would speak to that would say, all right, Tom, we were spending X amount of dollars on events last year. We were sending our sales team here, there, everywhere to go and drum up business, to meet people, to kick tires, say hello, shake hands, all of that. And we can't do that now. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking for other ways to be spending our money. And so I'm wondering from, I suppose, a business perspective, are you finding that all of those dollars are rushing back into the physical event space or are people finding other creative ways to leverage that? What is the... From a business development and the sales perspective, what's been the sort of counterswing as the pandemic evolves here now? Yeah, I think over the last, I think throughout the entire pandemic, when we were doing online conferences, you really saw a clear point. Some people were pulling back and kind of being apprehensive about spending money, which which were dead right, and people were just a bit cautious. Or other companies were kind of saying, look, it's the right time to spend now. Well, well stuff is kind of... Well, people aren't spending as much, your share of voice can be a lot louder by spending a lot less. So we definitely saw some companies investing while it was downturn. I think those companies that did invest were quite smart and they did get a lot, be it either be it through recruitment or be it driving leads. There was still a lot of activity. There was still a lot of business being generated through that, especially with the, the likes of the e-commerce platforms or kind of certain tech platforms, software, SaaS companies did really well. You also had VCs that were investing huge sums of money into startups. So there was still a lot of venture capital raised. There was lots of startups that were raising money and funds and rents. So we saw a lot of that. I think one note to make on that is we're going to see a lot of those startups that have kind of 
haven't had their day in the sun really come back to conferences and really start to shout about what they've been up to over the last 12 or 18 months, which is super exciting. You have now have a lot of brands coming back in looking to spend money. We're seeing, I actually just had a, a meeting with my manager there last week. He was showing me that we have the, the same number of leads that we have coming in on a week-to-week basis as we did have pre-pandemic. So we're actually back to that level of it back to that level of interest. Maybe it's slightly skewed into kind of some certain industries, but we're definitely seeing that spending come back in there, which is it's exciting to see. Yeah, for interesting, and uh, for sure. And I was curious to, to hear how that would play out because the conversation has changed from last year to this year quite a bit. Last year was complete sort of uncertainty and what's happening and how are we going to do this and how will we continue to operate? And now people have sort of you know, found their groove a little bit and it's just sort of now how do we operate in a world where we're sort of in between being amidst a pandemic and easing our way out of it and on that note you have some events coming up in the remainder of this year can you tell us a little bit more about what's coming up in the second half of 2021 and leading into 2022 yeah certainly so the obviously the first event we have coming up is web summit so that's in november we have 40,000 people confirmed that that's sorry that's our target 40,000 attendees and, and all Tracking figures are saying that we will hit that quite easily, which is exciting. We that's have, in Lisbon, right? That's in Lisbon, yeah. That's in Lisbon. I think the last count we had 162 partners signed on. So that's everyone from Microsoft to Siemens to Cisco. Like it's gonna the big names that we've had in the previous years, they're all coming back again, which is super exciting. Uh, I just saw we confirmed the CTO of Amazon this morning. We have uh, Brad Smith, who, who tends to come to a lot of our events, he's the, the president of Microsoft, he's coming back. We have the European Commissioner for Competition, Margaret Vestager, who's famous for finding uh, Google and some of these big tech companies that so she's confirmed. So we're starting to see these big, big names rolling in. So that's going to be super exciting. I'm just excited to get back to a, an in-person event in November. And then we have Collision, which will... Actually, sorry, I should say we have a Rise first that will happen in March. That's just being confirmed, the location but that'll be in Asia. That's our Asian-based conference. And then we have a collision, which will be back in June in uh, 2022, which, which we're looking at just shy of 40,000 people. So I think, I think the target's 38,000 people. Just looking forward to getting that kicked off. We've already seen partners come in and, and sign up. So now it's just uh, starting to see those speakers starting to sign up as well, which is exciting. And that one is also in Toronto, right? Yeah, that, that one's in Toronto. Um, so that's a three-day event be held in the Enercare Center. And then again, we're working with the federal government, the city and, and the province to bring in these international trade missions. So we worked with the trade commissioner's office and some of the SEOs to bring in trade missions from all around the world. So back in 2019, we had, I think it was 80 trade missions uh, coming in from Bulgaria, from Japan, from Brazil. And then over the last two years during the pandemic, we still did those virtual trade missions. So everyone's still interested. And now I'm looking forward to bringing all those people back in person. So it's just going to be a, a very diverse and kind of global conference being based in Toronto. It's pretty exciting to think of 40,000 people being able to get together next year. I have to say, I've been to one Blue Jays game and a few other events here and there, and I was like emotional just being around people again. It's been so nice to actually connect with people. I'm curious too, in planning these events, there's obviously a lot of different things to look at, but you know, we talked a little bit about how do you actually get the volume of people through the door that you, you can in a situation like Collision Toronto 2022, it's still a ways away. What kind of things do you do to get to that 40,000 number? Because that's a big number. That's almost like filling the Rogers Center. Yeah, it is a big number. So the last two years, we've been running these conferences online. I think that's helped our 
brand awareness across the world. So people know our conferences and they know that Web Summit's our flagship event and we'll cross-promote people at Lisbon about collision or about rise. So we'll kind of spread the awareness in that sense. Generally, we find that if people do come to our, one of our conferences, they end up coming to two or three of our smaller conferences. So we, we do see this, some of the same people come back again and again. You also have um, just different avenues. As I said, we have the, the Trade Commissioner's Office that are helping us with these inbound missions. You have a huge number then of different attendee types. So we have kind of like 1,200 investors that will come to Toronto and they'll be looking to connect with startups. You have about 2,000 startups that will be coming to exhibit, again, to connect with VCs. You have a, a huge number of journalists come. You have the editor-in-chiefs that will go on stage that will be kind of moderating and asking these questions, these great speakers. But then you have their wider team that will come to report on those kind of stories that are being told or press conferences that are being launched at the event. And then you have the general attendees that are buying tickets. What we're already seeing with Web Summit is we're starting to see companies buy bigger numbers of tickets. So you're having a lot of companies like multinational corporations that are buying 50, 100, 200 tickets. What we believe is happening is you're starting to see companies that might have gone a bit more of a remote working who are now using conferences to bring their company together again and to kind of have like a little off-site educational way to drive business and just making the most of this way to, to reconnect people. I imagine we'll probably see that trend continue now over the next kind of 12 to 18 months. That's really interesting. Because actually, my last question here, it sort of centers around that, which is sort of the idea of, in the workplace, people getting together. So fairly recently, Mark Zuckerberg was showing off the quote-unquote future of the workplace, which they, they are heavily invested in AR. They bought Oculus quite mm-hmm. some time ago. And virtual reality settings for a workplace they're sort of leaning into. You've heard of these different environments and technologies related to holograms where you could just sort of have yourself show up at this desk and it's sort of Star Wars-esque where your hologram shows up around everybody else. It sounds like your company is a very forward-thinking company. You are well-positioned to adapt for the pandemic. And so it leads me to think that your company is also thinking about what the future holds when it comes to sort of like VR or holograms or all of these different forms of technology that are shaping how people are possibly going to be getting together in the future. Are these things that you guys talk about internally or is it sort of like, you know what, let's just get back together physically and let's focus on that? There's always talk about what new technology is coming out and how can you use, adapt it, would it work? I think I have seen some events use some of that, some of the AR or VR or holograms and you're always getting inundated by, by companies that are looking to use their software. I think you have to come from the solution and problem situation. So you have to figure out well, what are you trying to do and then see if the technology works for that. I don't think there's a need just to use technology because we're a technology conference. I think that's what a lot of our partners might do. They might show off some of the technology they're using. But if you're asking me, would we, would we look to use a hologram of someone on stage at Collision next year? I prefer to bring them in person. So I don't think we'll be looking to, to, to build a metaverse anytime soon. I, I definitely, I think you can't just, you can't beat having someone like Al Gore just walking the floor and, and seeing these kind of famous celebrities or kind of top end speakers just going on a pub call around Toronto. Like we had a, we had Major Lazer leading a pub call around uh, Toronto there two years ago. We had, we had Bono leading Elon Musk in a pub call in Dublin a few years back. Oh my God, that's something else. <laughs> yeah, they're the kind of things you want to do in person. So I don't, but it's great to use technology. I think it has to be used to make an event better. 
and it's, I haven't seen that success so far. All right. Well, I would like to join you on the Bono Elon Musk pub crawl. Please send the invite whenever that's being planned. That would be a life-changing experience, I would imagine for sure. And Keith, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and learning a little bit more about how your company's adapted to events and this sort of uh, interesting and ever-evolving times that we're in. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Tom. Pleasure to speak to you, Chad. Hope you enjoyed today's discussion. For more on Web Summit and its event offerings, please visit websummit.com and follow at Web Summit on social. And hey, while you're at it, drop by and say hello to theinfluenceagency.com or you can follow us on social at Influence Agency. We'll see you next time.